I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Rachel Graff. And we love to watch. We love to watch the news being danced at us. Hey team! Hey hey! Welcome to our podcast, Rachel. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) This is uh, so Rachel Graff uh, works with me. She's the uh, second real life person I've met (laughs) on this podcast. Peter being the first one, Uh, and we have invited her on today to talk about Newsies, our third entry in Musical May. Because I can't fucking get anyone at work to listen to the podcast, Peter. And, <laughs> and this really and Rachel's, seems... Rachel's nice enough that she'll put up with you. That's basically it, yeah. Yeah. And Rachel's way more popular at work than I am. People like her. Uh, she has, so she wait, has what I would call friends. Rachel because she has more pull? Yeah, you know, I'm thinking Man. that. brilliant, actually. I'm thinking that maybe it'll be like, oh, yeah, no, Aaron has that podcast. Oh, Rachel was a guest. Maybe we should <laughs> listen to did an episode. Just, Tune in. Did you just Google your company and be like, who has the highest clout score? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who did um, on the 360 reviews? <laughs> who got the highest numbers? <laughs> and next week, our CEO. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, Aaron really rolled the dice on this by uh, having uh, Rachel on the uh, podcast because... Uh, I could easily make his life worse by saying something stupid. True. Yeah, it is. It's There's a lot of pressure because unlike most of the guests we have, you know, we record an episode. It's terrible. <laughs> they don't like me. And then I block them on Facebook. Never have to worry about them again. We got the content. This one, I, I'm going to have to quit <laughs> depending on how this goes. <laughs> this will not affect your quarterly review. Okay. <laughs> well, I am moving to a different part of the office. They're like sticking me in the back corner with my whole team. This isn't specifically like it's an, uh, an office space thing. Yes, a very important distinction. Uh, they're giving me my red stapler. I'm going to the back <laughs> of the office. Everything will be fine. I've been assured that's where the cool people go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All the cool people in their taller cubicles uh, where they don't have to make eye contact with people anymore. Is, oh my God. Is that so people don't have to look at you anymore? I think they probably redesigned the entire building, bought more space just to uh, have avoid people talking to me in passing. <laughs> the Armstrong Airbus. People were complaining, yeah. so. <laughs> this is, is this why I was sent to California last week? Like, we need to talk about this with the team? Yes, yes, indeed. Your company is actively trying to acquire the mental hospital from uh, a cure for wellness to send you there. Like, you're in our new our new division, Peter, I'm going to see that movie. I'm going to come back. I'm going to edit in some laughs. Haha, <laughs> 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 good ribbing, Peter. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so before we get too far into this, I have a kind of a, a game that we have never attempted before that's going to have a lot of post-production work. <laughs> so we'll, we're going to see how this goes. Uh, but I'm very excited about it. Uh, before we get into that, 
Rachel, why don't you tell our audience three things about yourself? Okay, three things about myself. Um, well, one, when I'm not working at a software company as a trainer, I choreograph musicals at my former high school and for community theaters. So probably more likely the reason Aaron asked me to guest uh, host this, <laughs> this podcast. Um, I need an expert. Indeed, yes. Peter's not an expert. I can't sing or dance. <laughs> Peter sees them as a direct confrontation. Right. So I I'm here to to ease his mind about that. Um, another fun fact about me is, in addition to those other two hobbies, I also do freelance photography work. So, kind of try to be artsy in my my downtime. Um, and then, third, in in light of this podcast and our movie today, I figured I'd share that in eighth grade, I did a spoof musical video on Newsies called Shoesies for a school uh, project um, <laughs> with four of my closest girlfriends. We changed the lyrics to Carrying the Banner to uh, incorporate shoe shopping. I really have no idea how this was furthering my education, but I, that's all I remember of this. So <laughs> so you like Newsies. I do like Newsies. <laughs> it has a nostalgic it's... Uh, connection for me. So that's... <laughs> That's yeah. pretty adorable. Aren't I cute? I, I'm excited to get into it. I It's funny because I thought at least 30% of this movie I was watching the parody of. Ah, yes. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, no, thank you so much uh, for coming on, Rachel. I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk about this movie. I, I, I'll make a few jokes, but I, I like parts of it. It's big problems with some other parts, uh, but we'll get into that when we actually start talking about Newsies. But... Before we do that, I'm excited to try this game. So so in the movie Newsies, even though it's called Newsies, and for the most part, they refer to themselves as Newsies, they declare an official name that's not Newsies. It's mentioned once from what I could grasp uh, and then never mentioned again. But I picked it up and I made a mental note about it. Okay. Rachel, well, let's do a quick, this, this is not part of the quiz, but Rachel, what was their official like union called? Oh, I don't even know. You've got me stumped as far as Newsies trivia goes. Especially if you call out that it's, it's mentioned once. <laughs> it is mentioned once. I didn't know we were starting right into challenge round. So. Yeah, Rachel, minus one point. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Peter, seen the movie once. Do you remember what they called themselves? Uh, 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 the Paper Boys. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, they, they, no? no, they didn't call themselves the Paper Boys. They called themselves the Newsboys. Isn't the Newsboys a uh, uh, evangelical Christian rock band? So it's funny you should mention that, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so they are, but they, that is also the name of this of the the Newsies. Their official union is called the New. We'll be the Newsboys, um, and it's also of evangelical Christian rock band. Um, now my guess is that you guys have never heard. Of the Newsboys. You probably haven't heard a Newsboys song. I, on the other hand, at one point had one of their cassettes. A cassette. <laughs> um, God, that my parents so bought me from a rummage sale. <laughs> yeah, actually, they had to hire them for my birthday party because there was no way to record music. Um, back <laughs> they in those should days. have kept rummaging. <laughs> yeah. So, so my guess is, though, that you guys have never actually heard the Newsboys. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play a song. And you guys, you're on different teams, but you guys are both going to answer for each song. You're going to tell me if it's very likely a Newsboys song, somewhat likely it's a Newsboys song, or not very likely it's a Newsboys songs. Okay. Okay. Are you guys ready to play? What are my three options? Very, somewhat, and 
Yeah, it's like the surveys they send us at work. Oh. Ah, yes. <laughs> Very right. somewhat not likely. Okay, deal. I'm, I'm making a big assumption here that you guys have never heard the news boys. That is a <laughs> safe never. assumption on my end. Great. So I'm just going to – so as a practice to check volume levels, all that kind of stuff – Look, I know this isn't the news, boys, but we'll just do a quick practice round so that you guys could, you know, kind of get the hang of it, so to speak. Sure. So, hypothetically, if this was a real one, I would say, okay, listen to this song and tell me how likely you think this is a newsboy song. And then I would play the song as such. This is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world. And while she looked so sad in photographs, I absolutely love her when she smiled. And then I would say, do you think that that song was was uh, very likely to be a Newsboy song, uh, somewhat likely to be a Newsboy song, or not likely to be a Newsboy song? Peter, you can go first on this one. I'm going to say it is not likely to be a Newsboy song. I'm going to second that. Okay, so you guys are both saying... It's not likely to be a Newsboy song. You'd both be correct, as that is Radio Mix, Story of a Girl, Nine Days, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, Classic. But yes, great test. So you guys get it. You get what we're doing here. So now's the real one. We're going to still start with a pretty easy one, but I'm going to play a little bit of a song and then ask you the same question. So here you go. Song number one of the official game, Is This a Newsboy Song? Yeah. yeah. You know what? Rachel Graff, Play on, very likely, yeah. somewhat likely, not likely that that was a Newsboy song. <sighs> it's a tough one, Aaron, but I'm going to go with not likely. Peter, same question. Uh, not likely. That's correct. That is No Diggity by Blackstreet. Very popular song. I had mm-hmm. no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, uh, you are at another level, which is the name of the album. Aw, we're so cute and punny. Yes. Oh my gosh, if you came to the right place for puns. Not good puns, but puns. All right, next one. Is this or likely to be a Newsboy song? Rachel Graff, very likely, somewhat likely, or not likely to be a Newsboy song. You know, I'm going to go with very likely, just because they had positive lyrics, like every day is a new day, and they threw in that new, so, you know. All right. Peter, same question. I'm going to play conservative and say somewhat likely. <laughs> you are, you're both incorrect. I don't know. I don't know in what way somewhat would be correct, but maybe. Yeah. I'm going to start having that as all my answers. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not quite sure. I'll decide when you say that if I should award points or not. I'm also the judge and jury executioner, all those things. But that is P.O.D., a former uh, Christian evangelical band from their album that attempted to be mainstream in 2001. So close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know what the newsboys look like, what they sound like. Yep. No, that's exactly. I'm they're white. The whole. Uh. No, they're absolutely white. The whole. The whole game is based on that, Peter. Don't question what you don't know. (laughs) So, all right. The next one. Is this or is this not 
a news likely to be a news voice song. But if I can swim after 40 days in my mind is by the crashing waves that be up so high that I cannot fall in me alone. Peter, you can go first this time. Very likely, somewhat likely, not likely to be a newsboy song. I'm going to say very likely. Rachel? Mm. I'm going to say somewhat so I can cop out like the last time. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you uh, mimicking the co-host trying to get in uh, good with him by uh, trying to take the coward's way out like he did. You see right through me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That is not likely to be a newsboy song that is Jars of Clay and their song Flood off of their self-titled album. Also another, you know, Christian fan. Uh, so I feel I feel like I'm being uh, discriminated against for being like three years too young for any of these. <laughs> well, I got some great news for you. Newsboys is still cranking out albums. So, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> according to their Spotify. All right, next one. Uh, I'm going to fast forward this one as well a little bit. Very likely, not likely, somewhat likely to be a newsboy song. This is no game. I forget, I'm, I'm forgetting the order, so whoever I call on. Peter, very likely, <laughs> somewhat likely, not likely to be a Newsboy song. I Okay, so let's, let's step aside for one moment. Let me just say, every game show host since the beginning of time has been drunk on air. And I don't think they've ever screwed up. So, Aaron, I'm gonna just say, not forgiving you for, uh, for calling on the wrong person. But I will. I will that, accept. Was, that was about that. I had no idea where that was going. <laughs> I will accept uh, the challenge. Uh, it is not because this ain't no game. Very likely to be a newsboy song. <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> I'm going to have to second that. Uh, nope. That is Restless Heart by John Parr. The theme song from The Running Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, yeah. Picture uh, picture Arnold Schwarzenegger kissing a woman roughly one-fourth his size. I do, every night in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> that is what that song plays over. It's uh, romantic, I think is the word they wanted us to say. I don't know about that, but all right. Next one. How likely is this to be a Newsboy song? That So I forget where we're at. So whoever thinks they're first. Not likely. Uh, Rachel, would you like to go? (laughs) Sure. I'm going to go with not likely on that one. All right. Peter? Uh, I'm going to agree. Okay. You're right. You're both right. That's not likely to be a Newsboy song because that is the theme to Growing Pains. (laughs) Hey, uh, Rachel, uh, sidebar real quick. Um, hey, Aaron, can you take a walk for a minute? Yeah, I was going to um, stretch my legs he, anyway. Is he ever going to play a Newsboy song? I'm, I don't know. 
I'm starting to think that this is a trap. Next question. <laughs> I'm having hey, a hard hey. time calibrating right now. We have a 30 um, second time limit, as you know, for sidebars. <laughs> All right. Next one, guys. Very likely. Not likely. The, the only reason I'm rushing you guys is we have a couple more to get through. <laughs> so, Jeez. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Very likely, somewhat likely, not likely to be a Newsboys song. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm going to be high as a kite. <laughs> Peter? It is not likely because I'm pretty sure that's William Shatner. <laughs> Rachel? Um, I'm going to say not at all likely to be a Newsboy song. You're both correct. That is William Shatner covering Elton John's <laughs> Rocket Man. Uh, all right, a couple more, and then we'll be done with this nightmare. How likely is this to be a Newsboy song? Stories to share all through the forest. They sing out in chorus, marching along as their song fills the air. Gummy bears bouncing here and there and everywhere. High adventure that's beyond compare. They are the gummy bears. <laughs> Rachel? <laughs> I think you might have given away at the end there, but I'm going to go with not likely. Peter, your, your answer. You know, I hate to be boring. I hate to be boring. I'm going to have to agree with uh, Rachel's expert analysis on this one. <laughs> uh, you're correct. That's the theme song to Disney's The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, uh, the 80s cartoon show. <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple more. I think the score is tied. All right. Next one. Rachel? Great, now I'm hungry. Um, I'm going to have to go with not likely. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with not likely, and I'm also going to guess that it's a Pizza Hut ad. Uh, it is not a Pizza Hut ad. Uh, but you're, you're both right. It is, however, a... Uh, it is, however, a uh, commercial for a, a board-based pizza game uh, that I remember vividly throughout 25 years, 35 years of my existence that I saw as a kid. <laughs> as far as I know, not sung by the Newsboys. All right. <laughs> One more. Newsboys, likely. Once again, the options are, very, are very likely. Am I dying? Because I think I all of a sudden started smelling pizza. I think it, like, accessed some weird, dusty corner of my brain. And now I just started smelling, like, specifically, like, 90s pizza. It was from the 80s. Uh, <laughs> quick correction from the judges. So, all right. This one, once again, very likely, somewhat likely, not likely. Supplemental insurance. What are you talking about? Ah, fire! And we get injured in this work, we're covered from things like lost pay and other expenses with this. With what? 
Peter. <laughs> oh, oh, you're so proud of yourself, aren't you, Aaron? That's so ironic because this is the most played track on my iPod. <laughs> and you didn't even know it was a possibly a Newsboys song. Peter, uh, uh, <laughs> very likely. Say, it is not very likely a Newsboys song. Unless the Newsboys are a uh, a band for featuring Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Rachel, same question. Uh, gonna go with same answer. Not likely. Correct. That is a 2001 Affleck commercial. Uh, all Didn't right, we one more. Enough. You said one what? more last time. Well, one more. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Throw that out there. <laughs> fair, fair enough. What? Uh... One. One more again. <laughs> Rachel, I believe you're first, very uh, likely, somewhat likely, or not likely, to be a newsboy. Why son. not switch it up? Let's let's go with very likely. Peter, same question. I'm going to say very likely. How pissed would you guys be if that was just another, after all of that, just another <laughs> random Christian band? Uh... I mean, like, we were promised newsboys. We, pro- <laughs> we wanted to know exactly what they Give the people what this they is, want. This yeah, is, exactly. This is the waiting f- uh, for Godot of podcast games. <laughs> so wait, Rachel, is that what you expected newsboys to sound like? Because it was exactly what I expected newsboys to sound like. You know, I was thinking a little less 80s, but I'm not mad about it. Really? It was 92. Oh. Um, I mean, maybe Still their most my recent albums. Yeah. Maybe their most recent albums, you know, they got into a cooler sound. Uh, but that was their hit single off their 1992 album, I'm Not Ashamed. And that I had that cassette. And now we've learned Everything makes a little so much bit sense more. now. Yeah. I am not ashamed to say the name of Jesus Christ, but it's usually in vain. Hey, um, guys, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go. Um, I gotta figure out a little something about my faith. <laughs> song awakened something in me oh that's all it took, it took just a few seconds well i guess they were spreading the news boys wow oh <laughs> uh, that so, hurts why it, do you do it i don't know it was it was it was very fun i hope you guys enjoyed it i think you guys both you're both winners Aw. Our angry. audience are the real losers. We're all winners and we love to watch. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. uh, especially the Newsboys, which have probably never been mentioned on a podcast before. <laughs> Except for uh, the Newsboys newscast. The new Newsboys boys. <laughs> Your weekly update on Newsboys news. Uh, uh, week 47. Uh, still no word on the Newsboys uh, c- upcoming tour. Um, they're still not ashamed i bet (laughs) so still keeping the the song alive in our hearts but uh you know the the message is is still relevant you know even though you haven't put out a record in a while i mean they put out a record last year from what i could tell from spotify what did that so that record was from 92 yeah they have so many albums we should start a newsboys cast 
I feel like they just don't have any integrity anymore, you know? They completely sold they really out. They lost the message. Yeah, they completely sold out. Well, we don't know, because that was the only... <laughs> that 30 seconds is the only sound you've ever heard from them. <laughs> I could hear them selling out, though, in the background of the song. Yeah, I think... really closely, you can hear a record producer being like, like, make more albums. Make it vaguer about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, as long as our kind of New York accents are coming out, I think it's time. Do you guys want to start talking about Newsies? Woohoo! Of course. Oh, are we not doing the enthusiasm thing? (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) Oh, Rachel, uh, I don't know if you know this. Enthusiasm's not cool anymore. Uh, (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about the Newsies. (laughs) We shrug, love to watch. (laughs) (laughs) We love to watch. Oh, my God. Watching so great. Now is the time to seize the day. Now is the time to seize the day. Send out the call and join the fray. Send out the call and join the fray. Lines will be widened if we're united. Let us seize the day. Friends of the friendly. put so much stuff out of order i don't know who's five second who's 90 second who's what uh you know what i'm just gonna let you do the ninth second yeah that's very nice of you the five second okay uh five second recap charitable man um i guess uh the pulitzer prize should be the pulitzer punishment because that guy seems like a dick and a lot of people sung uh, to him (laughs) So, uh, you think we can clip that down to about five seconds? <laughs> <laughs> I I had more things to say. <laughs> you know when taglines just keep running off the poster, but you know what they're saying. Yeah, just, just do the 90 second recap. Okay. Okay. Here's the deal. There's these newsies, all right? And this guy, Pulitzer, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, give a shit about the newsies. So he raises their prices uh, to buy the papers... And uh, the Newsies form a union, and they strike, and there's a bunch of weird shit with, like, this uh, Christian Bale baby. And uh, then uh, he uh, he gets some past secrets revealed. His name is not Kelly. It's Sullivan. It's like, whoa. Audiences' minds are blown everywhere. And then uh, the... Uh, <laughs> then uh, at the end of the movie, he's like, he breaks his deal with Pulitzer. He's like... Uh, I don't like you, Pulitzer. And then he, he gangs up with his friends, and then the, the newsies get the attention of uh, Deus Ex Theodore Roosevelt, and uh, he saves the day. I think that was a little dismissive. <laughs> <laughs> At least it was under 90. Fair enough. It's the time limit that's important. Um, <laughs> have, we ever, have we ever done one o- o- under 90? I think I think it's a new record. So, so yeah. So, let's uh, let's kind of talk about our experience with the movie, our general thoughts, and then we'll kind of get into – I actually have a f- more than a few things I want to talk about with this movie because I, I was pretty mixed on it overall. But, Rachel, you're the, you're the, you're the big fan of this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like I'm putting you out to, like, roast. <laughs> right. <laughs> I will I will say a lot a lot of people were excited about us doing this movie. I feel like Christian Bale actually said this uh 
when someone made a joke about Newsies in his presence, I was reading an old interview and he said, hey, I'd watch it. You'd be surprised when you mentioned Newsies, even though it wasn't that popular at the time, uh, how many people how many people love that movie. I think we do a lot of nostalgia type picks on this. And this is something that obviously I'm seeing for the first time at 34. Peter seeing for the first time at 26. You had a different experience uh, with this movie. True. True. Um, so this movie was actually made before I was born. So it wasn't really of my time either. Um, but I was introduced to it when I was probably, you know, upper elementary school. Um, and I've always loved to sing and dance. So really any sort of musical I can get down with. But I would say I'm more a fan of the music than I am of the movie in general. Um, that's kind of what what makes me love it. But there definitely is that nostalgic feel of it just being a, a movie from my childhood. And um, that, that brings it near and dear to me. But I also think that there's kind of this resurgence of interest in musicals uh, and love for musicals. So I feel like it's one of those movies that kind of came back maybe in like the early 2000s that people sort of rediscovered and that's maybe why christian bale still gets the the recognition for it that he does well and they made a they made a revival on broadway in 2001 Uh, this was not based on a stage musical originally. Uh, it was written directly for the screen. They, and the, the popularity of people growing up with it, they did make a revival in uh, – not 2001, 2011. Uh, and it won a bunch of Tonys. It did. So – and you've seen that I have. as well, correct? I have. Um, I went to a touring production mm, maybe last year or so. So a lot of little details might be a little fuzzy, but um, it is still fairly fresh in my mind. Um, there are some major differences between the stage musical and the movie. Um, so we can talk a little bit more about that. But overall, the, the storyline is the same. And I think, like you said, it, it, it was kind of built up to say, hey, we realize a lot of people like this movie. It could probably make a big buck on, on the stage um, and could arguably be a better uh, venue for this show than a movie was well it normally works the other way a little bit where you get a stage musical everyone gets really excited about it and then they make a movie that no one likes correct so this kind of this kind of, in some ways uh worked the opposite you all it's also probably a little fuzzy i'm assuming you went to the orpheum uh yes so to see it uh, the touring musical i mean it's hard to remember anything at that place with those those glasses of wine that they sell for the low price of twenty two dollars a glass. Um, I don't think I drank during the show. Well, twenty two dollars. Who cares? Right. Really? True. I did have um, obstructed view seats because I'm cheap. Um, but their obstructed view, I could completely see the stage, so I was far away. But there was nothing actually blocking my view of Newsies. Oh, thank God. <laughs> right? Talk about childhood <laughs> dreams crushed. I know. I like the idea that they sell those seats and they're like in the parking lot. <laughs> oh, hey! It, they were the first row of the upper balcony. So what oh. I would actually consider to be good seats. Joke's on them. Do they call the railing? <laughs> I, maybe. View? I mean, for a child, it would be obstructed. But for any, you know, yeah, that's average-sized true. human, it's not really obstructed. <laughs> I guess they don't have that many average-sized humans going to their shelves I, perhaps not so i can go so yeah i'd never seen this movie before um i don't know why either it uh it seemed uh like it would have been up my alley for the time uh it came out when i would have been nine 1992 but i just i never ended up seeing it i never um i knew a lot of people that have always liked it throughout high school college it wasn't one of those things like i'm assuming peter's gonna say where he avoided it because they there was singing and dancing and that was a threat to him um <laughs> 
But, but, uh, oh, I oh, just... Oh, you, you summarized my section for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, that Christian Pale, all the girls in elementary school like him. And <laughs> he can fight dance way better than me. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, I just never, I never saw it. Uh, no good reason. And then, uh, so watch it for the first time. Uh, and this movie has such a weird pedigree that it's like Alan Menken writing the music for it uh, right after his run of movies that were Little Shop of Horrors, uh, Little Mermaid, uh, Beauty and the Beast. The same year Newsies comes out, Aladdin comes out, which he wrote the music for as well. Uh, this was his first uh, production without his lyricist, Howard Ashman, who uh, sadly passed away in 92. And he was, he was very sick at the time of, of writing this. So they did bring someone else to do in to do the lyrics, and I feel like there, I there was a little bit of stuff I noticed there. I was I was very mixed on it. Um, I'm going to talk a little more about the I think the two big reasons that I had big problems with it. Um, well, I'll mention it now. We can get into it a little deeper, but I felt like the accents were really hard to get over. They are they're very bad, and the songs that feature and I, I don't blame any like I don't blame the kids. Uh, as as evidenced by the show, it's very hard to do a convincing like New York accent, let alone like a, a specific era of New York accents. Unless you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, eh? <laughs> unless you're like, pie. I don't know if you're unless you're Daniel Day Lewis from Gangs of New York. It's very difficult. Unsurprisingly, these kids don't pull it off. And then another level is asking them to do it while they're singing. Uh, so Peter, do your pizza pie thing, but in song form. It's probably going to come out really rough. <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I think – so, that that really is tough. And, like, my favorite songs – and I did have some songs I really liked in this – are kind of the ones that the sooner they scrap the accents and go into kind of the chorus singing, uh, the, the more I was into it. And then the other thing is that the movie is just about as stayed directed as I could possibly imagine for, like – it was a first-time director, uh, a choreographer, a future – we love to watch – Episode Xanadu was his first movie role, so that should be interesting. Andy Ortega. Yes. Also known for his work on High School Musicals 1, 2, and 3. Yeah, so he's made a lot of movies that, like, millennial people are really, uh, really, like, nostalgic for and, like, have a warm spot for, which is interesting. Like, he's he's crafted a lot of, like, millennial nostalgia. Yeah, and I, I imagine he's a very good choreographer, but I will say he's... I don't know if it's the first time movie I haven't seen the high school musical movies. It's very poorly directed. Uh, it almost feels like a TV production. And when you're kind of doing like these soaring dance numbers and these kind of big moments in this historical town, there's like one point near the end where the camera finally starts moving when they're hoisting Christian Bale. And it was like, thank God, I'm so sick of these fucking two shots that just it 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 sucked all the life out of everything, I felt like. And so even when the songs are really good and the performances are not, um, I just feel like those two things were really hard to overcome. But we'll we'll talk we'll go into more detail, but you can put me down as a very solidly mixed uh for now. Yeah. I mean, probably uh, for later, too. But. <laughs> <laughs> so my uh, – my I didn't see this as a kid like Aaron noted and as well I didn't – would not have been interested in it as a kid because as a kid I didn't like musicals. I actually avoided a lot of Disney uh, animated stuff that was musicals as a kid even. Really? Uh, because apparently I was like dead inside. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as I got older, it just kind of never never popped. So this was a uh, an interesting watch for me. I was actually really on board with it at first, 
But like Aaron noted, the directing is very inert and is very staid and cold. And I think that, yeah, he had problems with constructing conversation scenes and character building scenes in a way that in any moment where the characters aren't dancing uh, and not singing. There's like a lot of moments in the middle and the end of the movie where I'm like, haven't we already seen this scene before? Like the newsies all collecting in the square. I feel like that scene happens like a hundred times and it's shot the same way over and over and over again. So by the end of the two hours, I was just like exhausted because it felt like I'd seen the same thing over and over again. Whereas, um, do, you, do you know what a reprise mostly... is in musicals, Peter? <laughs> it's very meta. Yes, but it's different. It's, <laughs> but it's different in this sense because in a in a musical reprise, they usually have um, they're usually building up to something, or there's new dances mixed in, or something. I'm talking about there's specific scenes where characters come back, have seemingly the same conversation, sing a very similar song, and. It all is shot the same way. I think he was a little too forgiving of the fact that, like in musical, in uh, sorry, in uh, musical theater, you get to you just sit in a seat and you see everything from the same angle. I think he was a little too forgiving of that, and he wasn't as visually inventive as he could have been. And I actually really, for someone who doesn't like musicals and is having a lot of like classical style musical songs, because it is very much like a throwback. I liked uh, a lot of the songs, like not every song. Um, but I liked a lot of the songs, actually. If you found a more interesting way to shoot it or had more interesting um, dance choreography throughout, I could have, like, the two hours would have breezed by. Yeah, and that's why I'm very curious about the stage show, because I do think... So, one thing I haven't talked about that I really like about this movie, even though I don't I don't know if this movie does a great job with it, is I think the plot is, on paper, extremely interesting. Oh, yeah. I love this idea of, like... You know, the the way the labor laws used to work and um, this idea of like when the newsboys especially uh, uh, went on strike, the whole ways that uh, – the, the way that strikes were successful was that they were got publicized. And as this was a strike against the, the, the newspaper barons, uh, they just censored all the news, uh, which I can't think of a more both interesting uh, story to tell. Both in the way that we kind of changed our idea of, like, child labor laws and all that kind of stuff, but also uh, kind of fucking relevant right now. Uh, Like you said, Peter, on the stage, you don't have to worry about moving the camera. The motion is by the people moving in and out of scenes. Um, It's the way everything's constructed by upstage, downstage. It's the dance numbers, like, you're following along with the people. So I was curious, Rachel, especially, like, I could see – that this is not just a nostalgic revival. There's a lot of good meat on these bones that I think could be extremely successful uh, with either better direction or in the case that it was very successful uh, in a different medium. Yeah, I would say, I mean, obviously you mentioned it won Best Choreography, uh, won a Tony the year it was revived. Um, The the choreography itself is really a a huge reason that people love the stage musical. And really it's a reason I love the movie itself because it's just so different. Like, so many musicals are focused around just in general a female character. Um, a lot of the dancing is surrounded with you know females uh, in a in a musical. So the fact that this is an almost all male cast um, lends itself to do really different and interesting choreography in general and really strong choreography. Um, male dancers tend to be able to do more acrobatic type stuff, so it lends itself really well to a stage musical that has that kind of 
awe um, where you're watching and you're thinking, how are they singing and doing this at the same time? Or how did that guy just do five backflips and then a triple pirouette and then run off stage and come right back on? Um, so there's definitely some some factors where, as we were saying, that the camera angles, the dance for film really isn't isn't much to, to write home about in the movie, um, but it's definitely a focal point in the stage version. Did uh, did the chore- – so when, when the stage version came out, did the choreographer uh, Danny Ortega, you said? Uh, Kenny Ortega is the, the choreographer for the movie. It's actually a different choreographer for the stage musical. Okay. That sounds – but that actually sounds really – that actually sounds really appealing in a sense because, I, like I said, I did like some of the songs. Some of them I found uh, – kind of like uh, cheesy fun, like Santa Fe. Santa Fe I found kind of like cheesy fun where I was like kind of laughing at it, but also enjoying it. I feel like the live, that could be a really like stirring, really like beautiful thing if I liked the choreography. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get into the songs in a little more detail. I do, uh, Rachel, you said too, like besides the male dancing aspect, it's kind of a choreography that's built around having props too. Yes. Um, the the stage for the musical, or at least the set, is fairly minimal. Um, but what they have are, at least when I saw in a touring production, three kind of pieces of what look like cool scaffolding and they like move together and rotate together so you were able to get this more of a, a new york sort of feel um and you know they're oh does this take place in new york <laughs> sorry well, one would it, it's difficult to determine from the movie but <laughs> um but yeah. ah new york city of dreams the big apple <laughs> Um, oh hey (laughs) (laughs) shut up Aaron Um, but yeah as far as the set goes there's definitely some factors some shock factors there Um, I was really like enthralled by the rotation and the movement of the set but yet they repurposed that for really every scene Um, and I don't really recall there being a lot of other set that's involved so they kind of just use that layered scaffolding those different levels um, to to add interest and just make it feel like it's more big city which to your critique it really doesn't feel that big city in the movie. No, it feels like big fountain. Right. They do you're right because on the stage you take these little like little changes and you're fine because again you're not paying attention to what's going on around. Where in this movie it's like, oh, they're dancing by that fountain again. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's exactly my problem with the middle of the movie. Or yeah. that middle and the end of the movie. Is that it's just like, oh yeah, the fountain again, that statue again. Like, oh, they're gonna is somebody gonna jump on the gates of the of the little newsies distribution stand again? Like right. but I uh, there's a sequence where Christian Bale is dancing I think it's during his, his uh, I want to go to Santa Fe song. Oh, my God. Uh, this is my like, favorite dancing moment in the movie. And I'm not sure if I legitimately love it or I ironically love it. Oh, it's it feels it feels like I don't know. Uh, Peter, you probably watched Fly of the Concords. Rachel, I don't know if you did. Oh, I did. OK, so there's that point where uh, like Brett goes in the factory and does the fight dancing <laughs> to get his anger out. And I feel like this is the exact same scene. It really is. With a <laughs> cowboy like break twist. Dancing. Yeah, he's breakdancing and fighting the floor. That whole song made me laugh. The Santa Fe Are You There song. Uh, I want to get into the songs. Like, I want to go through the songs in a little bit. So 
Not but uh, but we we got it. We got to talk about that because we're talking about choreography right now. Yeah, that okay. sequence where he's just break dancing and he's he's spinning around on the floor and it, it looks like he's having a little bit of Galloping. a fit. And I I say this. I hope it was Christian Bale and not a professional actor stepping in for the break dancing thing. I think it was Christian Bale. Okay, I hope opinion. it was Christian Bale because at that point you can laugh at it and be like, "Haha, he's terrible." And he went on to become Christian Bale. Right. But if it was someone who was brought in like a hitman, <laughs> like, we got you we got you to hit this mark right there. I'm Kenny Ortega. This is what I sound like. <laughs> and then he did that. You're on the I'd wrong like, coast. Oh, oh. <laughs> wrong coast. Oh. I don't think so because if someone else came in there, he'd be like, this doesn't look like me. And it would be fucking distracting. <laughs> it's a reference to another Christian Bale thing, but we'll pipe it in right now. Oh, 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 great. Oh, great. I'm just going to break dance right into this light. We should do an episode on his breakdown on the Terminator Salvations. <laughs> Which is, to date, his best performance. So I kind of want to get into the songs a little bit because um, I – this is one of the – so again, Alan Menken, great. Little Shop of Horrors, I've said this before on this podcast. It's my favorite musical and it's not just because it's got a great cast, the movie uh, and Rick Moranis and, you know, cool practical effects. But the songs are fucking catchy as hell. And, I, you know, Little Mermaid, I remember seeing that in theaters and was – all I could think about was Under the Sea after that, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin – so, and then he made this. So, that's like a hot streak, both like critically acclaimed and uh, on the music level, from a movie level. Uh, and then I think this has some great highs and some really low lows. So, I kind of want to go through and get our thoughts on the on the actual music in this. Because that was one of the big selling points. Like, all over this fucking poster was Alan Menken, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, buy a ticket. So, let's talk about the first song. Uh, car- so, Carrying the Banner. The opening number. Roundtable thoughts. <laughs> I I love this, mostly because of the layering in this song, um, how they keep adding to it, and there's, you know, more and more groups of newsies singing it. I think it adds, kind of introduces that personality. Um, I think it's a great intro to, to the show, both the stage musical and the movie. I think it wrote a check that the rest of the movie couldn't quite cash, because I agree with Rachel. It's... A very charming song, and it has a lot of like funny lines. There's a section where I'm bad at remembering musical lines. Uh, you'll notice, but uh, <laughs> there's a moment where he says, "Let me guess, say, you're like, gonna say bring we, on need war, good, bring on, we need a good assassination." Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like some funny, good Alan Menken style, like like black comedy in there that that I really liked in the middle of this like zippy number, and it it taught you a little bit about the group's sense of humor and that they like prank each other and that like. It, it, it captured that, like, yeah, they're tough kids, but they're, like, pretty happy with their, like, kind of wild lifestyle in the streets. I do want to point out also that line that you just called out that we need a good assassination, we need an earthquake or a war. Um, that line, there's 
a piece of choreography there that I think is just legendary. It's the only moment I know of in a musical where there is a strong choreographed pelvic thrust. Oh, yeah. Right there on the word assassination, which I think is (laughs) really interesting. I think Kenny Ortega, way to go. So I have to call that out as a piece of choreographic genius. So, yeah. So Carrying the Banner, I will say, before we move on to Santa Fe, which is the next song, Carrying the Banner, I listened to 15 times today. It has earwormed its way into my heart uh, through through my ear. It's actually the only song that the, the New York accents at the beginning don't still grate to me. Like, I actually really like the way that they – It's it feels over the top, which the whole movie is because they're bad accents. But for some reason, it works for this song. And then the transition into um, – the, like like you said, the layers of chorus, adding more stuff, changing tempo. From a music perspective, I 100% agree, Peter, that this the, the movie never follows it as well as this song is because it's just it's, – it's a really good song. And I think that's tough because you have a lot of really good Mencken stuff where the first song is good and then the other songs equal it. And I, while there's other songs I really like in this movie, just nothing I think really approaches this. This is like – as good as some of his best work, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it peaks early, which uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what Rachel thinks about this, but yeah, I think it peaks early. And then a bunch of the songs in the middle, I kind of, uh, you know, thought were funny in like a sort of campy way. And then I didn't quite get after the halfway mark, I didn't quite get attached to any other songs. So I really want to talk about Santa Fe, which is the next song. And the reason is, is that this feels like immediately a huge downward drop from a music perspective. This this song and the scene around it, with the, ex- with the exception of the, the anger dancing, felt like a Mr. Show parody of a musical. Just because the song was really generic. It just it just was really strange. And when you think of someone like the I, you know, this was the I want song. Of this musical. It's where the character sings about what his goals are, what he wants out of the world. And you think about some of the the I Want songs that Menken wrote, specifically, let alone some of the other ones in other Disney movies. Like, that's part of your world. That's the Bell uh, reprise. It's uh, it's suddenly Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors. And I know that he didn't have the same lyricist. But the music is really generic, too. It, It was kind of amazing how much of a shrug this song was for me. And even re-listening it today, today when I was listening to the soundtrack, I was like, this is just a all-around bad song. It's it, This is the one that made me laugh a lot uh, because it reminded me of... This is the sort of thing that I think has been ruined by parody because it's supposed to be sort of like an Oklahoma-style thing. Like, it, it's supposed to be this, like yearning for a new life kind of song and it's it's supposed to be sort of this idealized view of the world where santa fe is like the greatest place in the world uh it reminded me of the book of mormon song orlando and the parody has now ruined the real thing which is kind of sad but also like this is maybe a trope that should have passed on a little bit earlier than 1992. Rachel, are you familiar with the Book of Mormon song? I am. Re- yes, Re- I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, well, as soon as you started singing about how much you love Santa Fe, I could just think of Orlando. I, I agree. Santa Fe is not my favorite song off the soundtrack. I will say that I challenge you to listen to the Broadway uh, soundtrack just because... If you take a like okay Mencken song and you give it to an okay singer like Christian Bale, you're gonna get a really really okay song. Whereas at least Jeremy Jordan, as the original Broadway cast, can sing his tush off. So 
they do add some some elements there that give it a little more of a dynamic feel, um, but definitely not the the highlight of the show. And I kind of agree, like this is an opportunity that Mencken really I think missed, um, and you you don't hear that phrase often at all. <laughs> yeah, and I can I can see that too, just because when you look at like the people, I mean, obviously all the people that sang those three songs I listed, uh, besides being female. Um, which maybe maybe adds a little bit of what Mencken was used to writing for, are all amazing singers. Right. Um, may, maybe that is what missing, but I, I wouldn't mind listening to it because it just – people consider it part of your world, and I would possibly agree with it if it wasn't for uh, how far I'll go from Moana, like the best I want song from any musical or at least Disney musical. So the fact that like two years later he wrote this is very – it's surprising at best. I agree. It's a, it's a little underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can kind of go through. So there, the Anne Margaret songs, it was clear. It was kind of like, let's get Anne Margaret to sing. She sings very well, but they don't they don't feel very memorable to me. And that is why they cut them from the stage musical. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Um, there is an equivalent meta character, but brand new songs. Yeah, it it kind of creeped me out the Anne Margaret character, just this like weird sexualizing of a of a much older woman, despite the fact that like I think Christian Bale is actually, I think Christian Bale is actually like eighteen when he made this movie. Um, but they're all they're all like coded as like children, right? I do think this is one place in the musical that they maybe I don't know if it's improved, but they do make more allusions to Jack Kelly having more of a a sexual life <laughs> like I've, I've heard critiques of of the movie versus the musical that talk about like kind of the asexual nature of the doozies in the movie and how they don't really seem to like understand Anne margaret's role or like that that relationship is confusing to the audience but in in the stage musical there are more allusions to like girls and his love interest in in the musical it, there seems to be more of like a a more mature connection there. Um, so I don't really know if that was necessary or really an improvement, um, but they they did, I think, eliminate a lot of the kind of like uncomfortable sexual tension between <laughs> Meta and Jack Kelly. <laughs> well, and if you're worried about taking your kids to the, the over-sexualized version of Newsies that is now uh, on stage, get them an obstructed view seat. <laughs> Definitely not over-sexualized. I want to make that clear. (laughs) Okay, slightly more sexualized. Do you think this is a generational thing where, like, uh, our parents' generation or grandparents' generation, like, they would have been more comfortable with, like, ah, he's just a kid. He wants to have sex with an adult woman. But, like, for our generation, we're like, that's horrible. Like, please get this off my face. I don't know if it's really generational but or just, like, bad execution of trying to have more of, like, this motherly figure. I don't really know, because I feel like in the stage version, it, it seemed more, like, motherly to me than um, an attraction. Yeah, it's just it's just strange. Yeah, we can move on from that. It's just it's just a thing. I It's just a weird puzzle that I was like, do I have to rewatch this movie to figure out what's going on here? I'm glad other people were also confused with it. Yeah, I want to – actually, I don't want to move on. I want to force Rachel to explain more what different generations think about sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole episode yes. in itself. Yes. Yeah. Rachel, can you tell me what your grandpa thought of sex? <laughs> yeah, so, so moving along. Yes, moving along very quickly. <laughs> uh, so the next one uh, – I mean, there's The World Will Know, which is kind of them – it feels, again, like a – to me, like a piece from – uh, carrying the banner, where they're kind of continuing that ensemble, they're they're forming their union. Uh, I, it's fine. I like it. I could agree with that. 
Yeah, I don't don't even remember a single line from it. And the world will know. And we'll fight them back or something. Are you making this up live? Yeah, this is... Those lyrics are right, but the rhythm was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm pretty. Well, We're hold gonna on, be Rachel. A newsie, just me, newsies, and me. <laughs> Rachel, I'm pretty sure they say the world will know. They do say in that the song. The, the next okay. line was I, I, Are you singing the words from "I'm Coming Out"? <laughs> uh, next one is my second favorite song, a song I really like, and I saw, and a song that also I think kind of emphasizes something that I wish they would have done more of, which is uh, "Seize the Day." It's uh, sung by David Moscow. And he doesn't have a fucking accent. <laughs> he just they just let him sing. He has a very nice voice. The the music's very good. It's a two minute song. I really even though the the message and the lyrics are a little generic, that's a little bit of the losing Ashman, I assume. I really like this song. I do too. I think it has a really good build. This is kind of um the one that I think may put newsies on the musical map um, of all the songs. Carrying the Banner is obviously fantastic, but it's hard to recreate since there's so many voices involved. Whereas Seize the Day, I mean, I know a lot of... That's the solo. That's the audition song. <laughs> right. And it's the, like, I've heard a lot of, you know, high school and middle school choirs doing that song and things like that. I think just the uplifting nature. Um, I think it's got a good build. I think it's catchy. You know, I think that's, it's the heartfelt kind of, of song in, in this show. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, Rachel. Do you think the Newsboys would cover that song? You know, they could. I, I would assume there'd be a little more synth in their their version, but... I mean, you gotta hope. <laughs> you gotta hope for more synth. More 808s. <laughs> um, so, I... This was... I, I This isn't, like, a song that stuck with me, but uh, my one impression from this is that this is when I was like, oh, that's why David Moscow is in this movie. Like, because he has such a weird, awkward energy up until the song. <laughs> like, yeah. he doesn't have a lot of good... He doesn't have a lot of good standing around energy for the camera. Like, he, he... There's a lot of scenes where the camera's just pinned on him, even late in the movie, where it's just like... He's just kind of standing there not doing anything. And then he gets to sing and you're like, oh, okay. I get it. I get why you cast him. Okay. I think he's pretty good in this movie. I think he's, I, I would say from a singing, I, I agree that he has a lot of standing around. They don't know what to do with him. And they but, have long shots of him, which I guess is directing and editing where they should have just been like, okay, he's not guy. doing anything. Yeah. Move it along. Um, yeah, I, I actually really like, I like him more than Christian Bale, I think, in this movie. Wow. Uh... You're wrong, but that's, you know, we'll get to it. <laughs> Rachel, where are you on the Moscow bail conundrum? <laughs> oh, the fight that's lasted generations. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like every week at the box office is bail, Moscow, bail, Moscow, you know? Um, I I think David Moscow is definitely the better vocalist of the two. Um, <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so I, I am pro David Moscow in that way. I think his acting leaves a little something to be desired. He's very um, whiny, I guess. It's just the only way I can describe it. He's got a lot of things to whine about. I, I Is it weird that he's like the rich boy in this movie? <laughs> that he has a dad and his dad is going back to work? That he feels like he's like the, the privileged boy? I yeah, I just feel like there's some lacking characterization there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Christian Bale is by far a worse singer. And he's got a bad accent, but I would like to float something by you guys. I think 
a entertainingly bad accent is as good as a real convincing accent. I mean, I guess it depends on context and what you're actually going for. But. <laughs> yeah, this movie is clearly not like a realistic picture of the world, but like I love bad accents and Christian Bale has like a really like tasty one in this movie. <laughs> I, uh, I, it's- I do feel like you could make a convincing argument that the genesis of this movie is that someone heard our Super Mario Brothers episode, built a time machine, and then made a movie based on those accents. Yeah, all over the world. My favorite place to go is Santa Fe. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> it's the weirdest accent. Except for it's it's an octave deeper because it's Christian Bale saying it's a very weird voice. But he's 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 uh but I will say for him as a stage or sorry, as a, a film performer, as someone holding, you know, film scenes, he carries every scene he's in. He's really he has a really great presence from a young age. He'd already been in Empire of the Sun, so I guess yeah, he... Empire of the like, Sun, he's really good in Empire of the Sun. He's a veteran at this point, right? Like, weirdly enough to say, even though he's coded as a child in this movie. He, uh, he's been a lot around for a while. And he is such a terrific performer in, like, the scenes that he's in. And he has to, like, do a weird twist on the audience. There's way too many fucking twists in this movie, but... Uh, I say not enough. Audience. Not yeah, He needs ten more. Ten more twists. Uh, Bale isn't signing up for this movie unless you get ten more twists in there. You He's got to have twists. five names. Get those twists. <laughs> He's got to be secretly the guy that killed Archduke Ferdinand. <laughs> as long as we're doing <laughs> the New York accents, let's talk about the last song that I want to mention. Uh, Rachel, I know you mentioned you really like it. Uh, I know that this is supposed to be like the fun goof em around song. Uh, with the exception of getting Are you Bill Flanders. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you damn kids and your goof them around songs. <laughs> oh, the, see you kids in the rumpus room. I'll give it all the internet points, all the podcast points for getting Bill Pullman to sing for two lines. <laughs> but. The king of New York. Yeah, king of New York was all of the worst parts of the accents combined to like the, the music's fine. But even re-listening it to it again today, I was, uh. More annoyed than charmed. <laughs> it's kind of magical that the word York only has four letters, but in this movie it has eight syllables. Every time someone says York. it, it's York. 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 I'm the king of New York. <laughs> <laughs> the so, dance, Rachel, uh, I know I know you mentioned you like this song. I do. Tell us why we're wrong. Um, it's purely because it's catchy and I'm a sucker for a good tap dance number and they managed to to throw one in there. Um, and in, in the stage musical, it's an awesome number because there's tap and it kind of, you know, throws something new at the audience. And like you said, I think it's it's cute. It's the like morale boosting song. But I definitely agree that the kid who plays Racetrack, kind of the, the main vocalist in the song, is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is overbearing. However, he, he did move on to have a decent acting career, so I think that's kind of interesting. I like that. I, I, I appreciate how, like, um, diplomatic you're being like he's listening to this podcast. <laughs> well, if you name someone lower in the cast, they might be. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I actually, this, this should be one I listen to the Broadway cast, too, because it, it does feel like the vocal performance is pushing me away very far until, until you get that Pullman in there. And I got to tell you... <laughs> I know you said the stage musical version is better. Yeah. I was amazed when he... I've never seen someone look more uncomfortable in my life than when Bill Pullman's like, ah, fuck. (laughs) I gotta sing these two lines. He looks wildly uncomfortable. 
Uh, I loved every minute of it. Yeah, Bill, Bill Pullman was in this point where he was just like, yeah, my career's taken off. I got to take all these roles. And he's like, I really got to sh- stretch my legs. And like, one of the worst things you can do is if you don't have musical theater training or really, I don't know if he even has an appreciation for it. And then just like dive the fuck into a musical where you actually have to sing. Like, I, I and also like Denton didn't need to have a line like fucking Robert Duvall doesn't sing. But he should. Like, yeah, Pulitzer's not like, I want more money, give it to me. There is a song like that in the stage version. Just There is. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Why are we covering that? Se- Robert Duvall shows up to set and he's like, oh, I'm not singing that. I'm not singing it. I just want to keep yelling at kids. <laughs> yeah, he won't see him playing a character. Robert Duvall feels like a really big get for this. The adult cast in this movie is strange. Like, wonderfully strange. Like, Bill Pullman and Robert Duvall are are, are pretty high on their, you know, they're, they're still high-level A-listers before Bill Pullman disappeared forever. Only to to show up uh, as part of the resurgence that was Independence Day resurgence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is before Robert Duvall uh, stopped the asteroid from hitting us in the documentary Deep Impact. Oh, God. And this is – yeah, so this this is a movie that is full, chock full of famous actors. And it's very strange to see uh, a lot of these people that became either stage or screen actors later – this is a, a weird thing. This movie was sort of like a magnet for a lot of them. And uh, yeah, having Christian Bale in here, I think, is its most interesting casting thing because Christian Bale only does serious things now. Like, even in American Hustle, he's like not the goofy one. <laughs> in a movie where everybody's kind of the goofy one, he's the serious one. I really like Christian Bale, but I bet you he's just an asshole to know in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Christian Bale. I've, I've been I've been a big fan of him since, like, I don't know, I saw Equilibrium in, like, 2004. Like, and then I saw, like, The Machinist, and I was like, he's going to be the biggest actor in Hollywood. And then he kind of, it kind of did happen for yeah, him. Yeah, for like, a little he got bit. To do, he got to do whatever the fuck he wanted, which is pretty cool. And I think now he still gets to do whatever the fuck he wants. I think I think he's doing his, his career the way he wants to do it, which is, like, what every actor wants. Well, I think it's interesting that you bring up that this is an odd role for him because he usually does the very like brooding serious sort of uh roles and i've read things where he like was embarrassed to tell his friends that he was in a musical or that newsies this movie he was working on was a musical he he didn't want to admit that so he probably was scarred from this experience and said he was never doing anything remotely musical-esque or happy at all for the rest of his career let me say if he's a method guy that's probably in character because the newsies would also be totally making fun of each other if one of them is like, "Oh yeah, I got a, I got recruited for a, a musical on the off Broadway." Like, and they would just like harass him for the rest of the movie. There would be no songs. It would just be like this guy getting like a bagged on for the whole thing. It's true, which is actually like one thing I think is so interesting about this movie is why the heck they decided to take this plot line based on true events and what made them think oh this should be a musical like nothing about these events scream musical to me a movie sure underdog story you know there's lots of great elements there but why they determined it to be a musical is just beyond me again maybe a better director maybe the script being a little better would have helped because I like that idea of taking uh, material that wouldn't normally be in a musical and kind of mashing it together. I, I like that. I don't know if there's that many 
examples that work really well, but at the very least conceptually. I really like that kind of mixing of let's do a serious historical uh, story about this uh, corruption and child labor laws and ironically fake news um, in this case. Let's add songs to that. And it almost makes sense because union rallies of the time, I don't know if this is true of the, the, the Newsboys rally, but, you know, they had speeches and they got people riled up. And a lot of the songs are kind of built around that. They're built around, hey, instead of the speeches, instead of everyone going to rallies, what if we have them, you know, express that through dance and song? So I think even even for this story, it makes a little bit of sense, but they just didn't. They were trying to make a kid's movie. Right. And I, I just feel like it's very much a too many cooks situation where if they would have maybe made it more adult oriented, I think they could have got away with the story they were trying to tell and maybe had a little more import to what what is a very serious story. Maybe made Pulitzer less of a cartoon villain as he's kind of portrayed for a kid's movie. I think a lot of that causes – a. The, the friction that I'm seeing when I'm seeing this movie, because you're right, they didn't go fun. They took a very serious, uh, interesting historical event and they added songs to it. And it doesn't necessarily meld as well as I think it could have. That's why I've said now a couple times, I, I'm not surprised if the stage musical is overall kind of a better experience just because there are so much good ideas on display here that I wish it had a better director and a better writer. and maybe not have gone the kids route as much. Right. And I think there's an, another element on why they made it a musical is the nineties was not a big time for musicals. I think right now we're in this kind of the space where everyone's so enthralled by, you know, talent in general. So musicals have started to kind of creep back in popularity and maybe that's why yeah. the Bible was so successful. But in the early nineties, like it wasn't really a time for musicals. So to take this story that doesn't lend itself, you know, obviously to a musical and then create a musical in that time, I think might be one of the major reasons it, it wasn't so successful or wasn't so well received at that time. Um, but I do, I want to touch on some of those differences in, in the stage version or what you guys would think would make this movie better. There are some interesting changes to the plot line in the, the stage version, which I, I didn't necessarily think were, were needed, but it is an interesting choice that they made when reviving this. Yeah, I'd like to hear that, but I, I do want to stop on that point for a sec, just because I think it's a really, really good point for a couple reasons. One, you're right that they weren't doing musicals in the sense that there wasn't really any live action musicals. But on top of that, even the Disney, like the, the Little Mermaid and the um, the Beauty and the Beast, you know, it was the Disney Renaissance that reinvented this idea of like these Broadway musicals as animated films. Before that, they were doing like a song here and there. And the 80s, most of those Disney movies had almost no music. So it wasn't just a dearth of, like, live-action uh, musicals. It was, with the exception of the two Disney uh, animated movies that preceded this, it was a dearth of animated musicals right. as well. Yeah, exactly. So I just so, yeah, so to be a fly in the wall in that conversation as to how they... <laughs> came to the idea of a musical from this this storyline. Oh, hey, you want to make 2.2 million dollars? <laughs> hey, uh, so there's a labor dispute or something. I don't know. Get a bunch of handsome kids in there. You know, real lookers. And uh, have them uh, dance around. Uh, oh, oh, frilly and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, that was it's a Weinstein conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the thing that's interesting about this movie is that it kind of brings up, and what you were talking about is that it kind of brings up 
the idea that like film can sometimes be um honest about history by being dishonest about it and like by romanticizing history sometimes you can and you know being a little indirect about history sometimes you could tell the real story of it and like i am sure that this is a movie that like with our in our current political climate there are people who like I'm not letting my kid watch something about a labor dispute and the laborers are in the, you know, the strikers are the uh, the heroes. Like in this weird political climate where even poor people are told by the Republicans that they need to hate unions. This is a, this is a movie that I could see being weirdly politically charged. But by being this kind of like flippy floppy musical, it helps them um, romanticize the struggle in a way that like even when the movie gets violent, you're like... It'll be worth it because, you know, all we have to do is push ahead and we'll make it through. Yeah. So, Rachel, so before we do some final scenes um, or just final things we want to call out before we wrap this up, uh, what were some of those uh, differences or you wanted us to guess? Oh, no, I don't think you necessarily need to guess, but I I do want to get your your take on some of the changes. So just just ready for more games after my (laughs) wildly successful intro game. What they did is they created a composite character out of Denton, the reporter, and the sister, Sarah, who is the love interest. So in the stage version, there's actually just a female reporter. Still played by Bill Pullman, I hope. (laughs) Correct. And drag. um, (laughs) Who Jack ends up falling in love with. So they kind of take the functions of those two characters and and mesh them together. I've always thought that Sarah, the sister slash love interest in the movie, was kind of just this weird afterthought of like, oh, yeah, we should have a romantic twist. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense because you're right that in the the movie, Sarah um, has almost no agency and is like a potential like um, minor motivation for him to not go to Santa Fe because without it, there's not... Much. So to add a character that's like instrumental in um, organizing the strike and like being on uh, the Christian Bale character's side. Right. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Well, and it makes you kind of cheer for her more because she is a female. Um, that's one of the big kind of pieces of her character yeah. is like she's a female and she's trying to prove herself and get taken seriously as far as reporting goes. Um, so you kind of cheer for her a little bit more and she has more investment in it whereas in the movie you're kind of just like oh this nice guy decides to take care of these boys and whatever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a kind of a weird aspect <laughs> um i like i like your dance moves can i be around you guys all the time pay for your lunch <laughs> um so yeah i think that was a really interesting change the other element that they've added in is in the stage version uh jack is an artist um, it's supposed to be a, a really good drawer, and that kind of moves some plot lines along. Not really sure where that one came from. So instead of the printing press, does does he like draw a poster? I honestly, I don't quite remember. I do think it comes in as an element there that he like publishes that photo. And I think it turns into him having some sort of job after they publish it, that there's some, <laughs> like, I don't know if he's a political cartoonist or what it might be. Um, so he doesn't have to go back to being a, a newsie. Uh, no, it is kind of a regs to riches ending, I suppose. That kind of feels like the opposite of the the movie's point. Well, I don't think, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on all of the, the details of the ending or of how they've changed that. But I do think that there's some sort of, he gets some sort of recognition for a drawing that goes in this Newsies banner at the end. I'm less into that change because I do like the idea of 
this idea of unionizing and standing up for your right as employees, especially at the time, results in this, you know, I get it. It basically, they, they got to keep the status quo. So in theory, it's actually not that much of a, they just stopped someone taking. They weren't able to necessarily fight for more rights, although it's stuff like this that kind of turned the tide into child workers and labor unions and a lot of things that made our country really great. Uh, in the early half of the 20th century. The idea that the the Christian Bale character in the musical gets out of being a newsie seems kind of antithetical to one one aspect of this movie I really like. Yeah. I feel like you should – like the, the whole I need to go to the stockyards thing – or sorry, I need to go to the train yards thing kind of was confusing to me. I was like, but you – have like all these friends here. It looks like life is turning around. Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh wait, never mind." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but I sang that I sang that song earlier in the movie. Remember, I got at least like play at this idea. He does more than uh, say, "Wait, never mind." He does psych. Instead, I was hanging out with Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird how uh, Den- doesn't Denton promise him that he's like he's like, "Well, yeah, what could I do?" And Denton's like, "Well, you could go hang out with Teddy Roosevelt." Like. <laughs> Yeah, the governor has time for the The governor wants to see ya. Governor has all the time in the world for the street urchin. (laughs) Peter, you really turned on him as a (laughs) as a proponent for like a a living wage. Yeah. (laughs) Pulitzer is the hero of this movie. He's just trying to make a buck. These damn newsies is slowing it down, stopping everybody from getting the paper. He was threatened by a street rat, hung him out of a building. <laughs> out of the lighthouse he lives in. Uh, oh, all right. So what are what are some things we didn't get? I mean, this is a two-hour movie, so I know there was a lot we probably didn't get a chance to talk about. But, uh, Rachel, what were some moments or things you really liked that we did not get a chance to touch on here? You know, I, I think we touched on all my, my favorite parts of this sh- this movie. And I think that I totally agree that it totally kind of levels off or goes downhill about halfway through. I I remember distinctly kind of watching this movie when I was younger and I would watch it through King of New York and then just kind of stop it. Um, <laughs> and I think I still feel that way when I watch it today, because as you said, like the good music is kind of done. They there's just some lack of variance in in the scenes and you kind of just feel like you said like it's like a broken record and that the movie is just kind of repeating itself so um yeah i think we kind of touched on all my my favorite elements of this and most of my points of critique as well so yeah my my the one thing we didn't mention that uh is very quick but it's it's very funny to me this has the uh lamest jailbreak i've ever seen (laughs) in a movie (laughs) where Christian Bale, he's getting walked down the steps. There's like maybe 10 steps of like a courthouse. Close your eyes and picture a courthouse. There's 10 steps. He's surrounded by four people. David Moscow's character comes and says, hey, and then he jumps on a banister and slides down maybe for a second because, again, it's like 10 steps and and then has escaped. No one really runs after him. And then he accuses David Mosco of breaking him out of prison, and that was a bad thing. I don't think he knows what prison is. If the prison break was going, hey, and then Christian Bale just jumping over a a small object, I don't know if that counts as a prison break. And Yeah, and then he immediately tells David uh, Moscow to go away. He's like, I don't need you. And it's like, well, he's kind of true, like... 
He kind of tells him like to go like get out of here. You don't know you don't know anything about prison. It's like why would you do I that? Why would you... you break me out? I just yeah. yelled, "Hey!" You could have said, "Hey, back." Hey, I'm in prison. Oh, hey, sorry, oh, sorry. I see these sorry, four guys around me. Yeah, oh. my bad. Because do your thing. Be in the prison. Um, don't join any white supremacist gangs, and you'll be good. Um, <laughs> That's they didn't need to because, as you can see from this movie, there's no old black people. <laughs> hey, there's there's one one yeah there's one there's one which might be better than the movie would do today. Um, but <laughs> uh, I I I think we tapped all my notes. My only note that I have here. Uh, is uh, the first note is do the whole episode in Newsy speak. You're welcome for not doing that. Uh, I think it was only at like 30%. I had this idea that like if you saw this movie growing up, you didn't notice the accents as much. And the analogy I had was Mary Poppins. Everyone constantly talks about Dick Van Dyke's character about what a bad accent but i saw that movie so many times as a kid and i don't know if i've seen a lot of dick van dyke speaking any other way that not only does it not seem like a bad accent to me i kind of assume that's just how dick van dyke talks even now in my 30s watching it and having been told that so i imagine if you see this movie as a kid the new york accents don't stand out as much just because you're like oh that's probably what these people talk like notice so i did kind of think about Especially in, yeah, and then for some reason, especially in King of New York, it's almost like a caricature, or that's what I always kind of yeah. took it as that they were overdoing it because they're kind of flaunting this whole idea of being famous in New York. Of New York, right? and yeah, but I was so, but then for some reason I couldn't do the New York accent, and I almost did the whole thing in a Dick Van Dyke voice. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, and Mary Poppins. <laughs> Step in time. <laughs> I do you like Mary Poppins right now? Do you like Mary Poppins? Audience, you don't like Mary I, Poppins, do you? Uh, I haven't seen Mary Poppins recently enough to to judge. Okay, okay. okay. Can we leave it's it really, there? It's re- it's really good though. Are you, are you trying to make people hate me? I mean, are you trying? We already did that. Me? You don't like little every musical. You don't like singing in the fucking rain, Peter. They hate. Not really. Me. Trust Not me. Really. I don't All the letters really go to me. I think it's an optical trick. So, uh, I think that people that get too angry about accents are usually kind of bummers. Oh! Shots fired. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think, like, unless you're doing, like, a racist accent or a which, which Semitic accent. Some, or some could gay. argue, which some could argue our New York accent is. Uh, I would argue no. I mean, yeah, um, I would too, but but yeah. So I think that like I think that the bad I think the bad accent thing, like especially like uh, someone doing a British accent or somebody doing an Australian accent or whatever. Like, yes, it could be very annoying to the people who actually have those accents. But like, there's like, why do people get so so amped up? Like, I know a couple of people that get really mad about the Fargo accents, and like oh, I people love they get mad about like like Chicago accents don't sound like that. I'm like. There are people in Chicago that like look like they eat nothing but sausage and have. Uh, I, I grew up there. Like I know these people. They ha- they look like the super fans from SNL. <laughs> I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg thing, but like sometimes these like really cheesy broad accents like have a ring of truth to them, and sometimes bad accents are as good as as uh, a good accent. I mean, if bad accents weren't funny, how could impromptu sketch comedy be so? popular <laughs> if bad accents uh people t- if people didn't like bad accents nobody would have listened to our running man episode no 
Well, and people did based on the numbers. Yeah, we don't know how many people completed the episode. Yeah, okay? yeah, we don't want to look into that. That only <laughs> that way madness lies. <laughs> so, final thoughts on newsies. That was my final thoughts. Great accents. Rachel, your final thoughts. I thought we already did that thing, which is why there was radio silence. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron? So my final thoughts is that I wish I had better... I was surrounded myself by better people on this podcast. Wow. That would participate when I say things, and they don't. We played your little newsboys game. Oh my god. That was definitely for me that I had I was playing songs longer so I could catch myself from laughing in the background. Uh, <laughs> so thank you guys in participating in uh making myself laugh. And if that's what musicals like newsies aren't about, I don't know what they are about. God, it was almost so good. It was it was close. <gasps> so close. <sighs> fucked it up all right so no but uh rachel thank you so much for for coming on this episode um not only uh, you probably brought more knowledge of the thing we were talking about than literally any one of our other episodes ever <laughs> yeah that's true a very informed guest <laughs> thank you this was so much fun i've never done a podcast before or critiqued film so this was an awesome opportunity and so much fun you guys are awesome yes thank you if you ever if you ever spot something else in our schedule and you want to uh talk about a different movie then you're always welcome back thank you very much for coming on yeah yeah you can always find me in the back corner they're shoving me to and go hey what are you guys doing this month we would be we would love to have you back on i would love that i will definitely find you in aaron's annex at some point (laughs) in the the aaron annex uh rachel before before we talk about uh the next couple weeks of musical may do you have anything you'd like to promote or direct people to um, not really. I mean, I I am just thrilled to have, you know, gotten to talk about one of my favorite childhood movies, despite, you know, the love-hate relationship y'all have with musicals. <laughs> um, so I just want to thank you guys once again for having me on, letting me share some of my my love for newsies and musicals in general. Uh, Peter, we can talk offline about how we're going to get you to a place where you're more accepting of this genre. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, this is about you guys and the awesome work you guys are doing. So I'm just excited to be here. Thank you so much. This is very sweet to say. Um, so yeah, so next week we have two more weeks left in Musical May. Uh, we're doing The Phantom of the Paradise with Dustin Kosky and Adam Kosky. And then we are wrapping up the month with the Kenny Ortega first choreographed movie, uh, Xanadu, with uh, with Olivia Newton-John and Fred Astaire. Uh, considered terrible, but um, considered a very watchable sort of terrible. And it's got music by ELO, so I think we're going to be fine for that one. And uh, if I didn't say it already, Brandon uh, Lede is guesting on that, host of the Swamp Flicks podcast. Um, yes. Thank you very much for uh, coming on, Rachel. Thank you, guys. Um, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're very, very excited for the rest of Musical May. And uh, who knows? Maybe by the end of the month, I will have completely turned around on the genre. We are I mean, halfway I'll- through. Honestly, if you don't like The Phantom of the Paradise next week, Peter, I feel like that's going to be one of our most contentious episodes. I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know why. After all these things that I assume that you like, that you don't like musical-wise, I am putting faith in the fact that you will love The Phantom of the Paradise, but it's so, so good. Uh, good night.
tune into We Love to Watch. If you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at either our website, WLTWpodcast.com, or our Facebook group, facebook.com backslash we love to watch and uh yeah reach out to us give us some feedback give us some support uh, suggest movies for the show all that we are also available on soundcloud tune in stitcher and itunes thanks for listening